0: You're listening to Midori House, first broadcast on the 3rd of September 2018 on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to Midori House, coming to you live from Studio One here in London. I'm Andrew Muller on today's show. The incalculable cost of the fire at the National Museum of Brazil in Rio. My guests Fernando Augusto Pacheco, Robert Fox and Sebastian Borger will be discussing this and the day's other top stories, including the call by Germany's foreign minister for Germans to take the far-right threat more seriously, the concern that Swedes are about to actually elect the far-right, and the US becomes abruptly less generous to Pakistan. That's all coming up on Midori House on Monocle 24 right now. Welcome to Midori House. My guests today are Sebastian Borger, London Correspondent for Berliner Zeitung and Monocle 24's Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Uh, we will start in Rio and a disaster not merely for Brazil but for the world. The National Museum of Brazil caught fire yesterday. Its collection of millions of artefacts and documents appears to have been more or less completely destroyed. The cause of the fire is not yet known but there have been suggestions by museum officials that underfunding by the government may have been a factor. Incredible the building did not, for example, have a sprinkler system. Uh, Fernando Monocles, resident Brazilian that you are. Uh, I mean, it's it, it seems an idle question and I'm sure is an idle question. But is, is it possible to put any kind of uh, perspective on what what? what size of a loss this is for brazil this this is like the british museum and buckingham palace burning down the same day isn't it
1: exactly because you know uh, the, where the museum is is where the portuguese royal family used to live so it's kind of a palace uh, in brazil it's it's a very very beautiful place and it's also the oldest museum in brazil and it was celebrating its 20, 200th year uh, this year so it was going to be a big celebration but you said underfunding by the government i mean very much so. Since two thousand fourteen, the government was not actually paying anything, you know, uh, for the museum. So, you know, it, it was, you know, there was a cheap entry, which is, I think, about one pound fifty. So that's the, all the money uh, the museum got. And and they had, you know, for example, they had the oldest skeleton found in the Americas of twelve thousand years. So it, it's very much of a loss. And I think I just read, uh, I was just listening to an interview with the museum director. He's counting. I mean, if, if there's anything left. Uh, and, and he said, I'm, I'm afraid to say, but most of the things have been lost. Uh, potentially more than 90% of everything that was inside uh, this museum. So yes, yeah, a terrible loss for Brazilian you know, art and the Brazilian mu- museum scene as well.
0: Uh, just to follow that up, Fernando, is, is this one of those disasters, though, that can get beyond a, a government's control, that be, becomes seen by the people of a particular city or
1: country as something of a metaphor for a wider malaise? I mean, very much so. I mean, look at the Brazilian government. the approval rate of the president is 3% I mean we can even joke it can't really go lower, well it can go lower than that I think I've got a higher approval rating than that in Brazil, I've never
0: even been there but
1: but you know what's what's shocking actually I mean because fires do happen, I mean here in the UK we've had a a couple of fires recently the thing is there was no there was was not enough water in the fire hydrants close to the museum, so the fire you know, the the, the firemen they had to get some water from the lake which was close to the museum so even that was a bit of a shambles, you know, you said that they didn't have sprinkles in the museum. Sure, not even outside in the fire hydrant. So, yeah, it is very much, uh, you know, a shocking thing that happened.
0: Uh, Sebastian, the stories that are already emerging and will continue to emerge, I'm sure, about the lack of preparation for a fire like this at this building are shocking and and do seem extraordinary. The response will be that Brazil is a poor country, that its government has limited resources, or at least that Brazil, it could be argued, has more pressing concerns than the upkeep of a museum. But is that actually an argument? If you are a government which presides over uh, such a treasure house as this museum was, do you actually have to start thinking in slightly more lofty terms about your responsibility to the heritage of, of, of humankind? Because this is not, as for was pointing out, not just you know a, a few municipal trinkets. This is a catastrophe.
2: This is and uh, the whole of Latin America, really, to some extent, isn't it? Um, well, uh, it's it's easy for us sitting here in in, in cozy London and uh, debating that. But but uh, I, I funny because when you say Brazil is a poor country, well. Yes and no, don't you think? I mean, it's 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 also a very rich country. It's it's got huge potential. It it had made massive leaps uh, economically over the Indeed last so. 20, 20 years. Uh, we I know we've had terrible problems. They've had terrible problems politically recently. But there's uh, I think a very rich elite which uh, which maybe could and should have contributed more. Uh, but it seems such a such a symbol, doesn't it? When when you've had the World Cup four years ago and the Olympics two years ago, in, in Rio and presumably billions of of dollars uh, poured into that as there there was in, in London um, in 2012 um, and 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 then you know they're not actually looking at the at the sort of their normal in, in inverted comm- commas culture. And heritage, and and don't invest in that.
0: Well, I, I think this may be something that Braz- commentators in Brazil point out over coming days, Fernando. That whatever it costs to install a sprinkler system in an admittedly big building, I'm sure it is the meagrest fraction of what got spent on building stadiums and other facilities for the
2: Olympics and the World Cup. Which now lay empty. Part, part of them, yes. don't they? I mean, that's the that's the
1: tragic thing. And it's funny because Rio also, uh, you know, for the Olympics, they invested a lot of money in a museum called the Museum of Tomorrow, which is just kind of this beautiful geometric structure. I mean, sure, it's an interesting museum, but again, our most historical museum ever you know the, our oldest one there was absolutely no investment whatsoever in the last four years and I mean zero I mean it's. I'm not saying there was underfunding there was no funding Can I tell you what museum directors around the world will be mm. doing today they will be looking
2: very very closely at their fire measures because I mean it is a, a lot of them are in old buildings I, I'm thinking of, of our own lovely great picture galleries in Munich where I'm from I mean I, mean, I, I could imagine something very similar happening. I
0: mean, it's, it's, it's the one upside, perhaps, to this, this calamity that I suspect uh, every museum director in the world today is thinking that their government is going to take their call. Um, just a, a final thought on this one, Fernando, before we move on. Is there a way out from under this from Brazil's government? As you said, the, the president is is monumentally unpopular anyway. Is there anything they can say or do uh, to prevent this from becoming yet a another reason for Brazil's people
1: to detest their politicians. Well, I think the only good thing that might come out of this, I mean, as Sebastian said, the museum directors, they will have to look into it. And I think, you know, we have an election coming up in about a month. Who knows, perhaps the topic of culture and protecting some of our history, perhaps will be one of the topics mentioned instead of just corruption and violence.
0: OK, we're going to take a short break now. You're listening to Midori House with me, Andrew Muller. I've been joined for the first part by Sebastian Borger and Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Robert Fox will be with us after these promos.
2: For a global perspective and some fresh ideas direct to your door on business, culture and design, not to mention fashion, travel and much more, subscribe today and join the world of Monocle. As a valued subscriber, you will get a 10% discount in all Monocle shops and our online store. You'll also be the first to receive exclusive invitations to our events and have full access to the magazine archives. In addition, all one-year subscriptions come with a free, limited-edition Monocle tote bag. With four bespoke subscription packages to choose from, you decide what suits you and your lifestyle best. What are you waiting for? Visit
1: monocle.com and subscribe today. Tune in to the Monocle Daily on Monocle 24 weekdays at 2200 London time. We unpack the stories that have been dominating the discussion in Europe and North America and set the agenda for a new day in Asia. The show features regular insights and analysis from Monocle's bureau in Toronto and New York, special guests there and across the Americas, as well as experts and analysts at our studios in London. Whether it's industry-focused reports on anything from art and architecture to business and entertainment, or a light-hearted guide to how to spend the perfect weekend in a great city somewhere in the world, you're in good hands. Monocle's network of global correspondents are your guides. Join our team every weekday for the Monocle Daily on Monocle 24.
0: And welcome to, back rather, to Midori House. Uh, I'm still here with Robert Fox and Sebastian Borger. Uh, We will now look at Germany, which is still working out what to think about a recent outbreak of demonstrations by belligerent nationalists in the city of Chemnitz. Germany's Foreign Minister, Heiko Maas, suggested that his fellow citizens needed to be a bit more vigorous in their response, telling a Sunday newspaper at the weekend that we need to get off our sofas and open our mouths. He further suggested that Germans need to show that Democrats are the majority and race are the minority, um, Sebastian? These demonstrations in Chemnitz have been going on and off for a little over a week now. These follow the stabbings, la- the stabbing last weekend of a local carpenter, and the subsequent arrest of people who turned it out turned out to be uh, an Iraqi and a Syrian. It, it's not been an edifying spectacle, up to and including. Um, some of the demonstrators doing what very much appeared to be Nazi salutes. How, uh, how traumatising or uncomfortable has this been for Germans to watch this on television? <laughs> because obviously everywhere in the world there are far right yahoos who occasionally enjoy demonstrating and making a nuisance of themselves, but obviously in Germany there is a, uh, there's an added resonance, isn't there?
2: Obviously. That's one, that's one aspect. The other aspect is that Germans love nothing more than Ordnung. Law and order. And if, if, no, seriously. You know, um, it, the problem at the beginning of the week was that um, there were there were real concerns about the preparedness of the police in Chemnitz and and in Saxony. Our police is is um, regulated by the lender by the regions, and so it was the police of, of Saxony, which which unfortunately hasn't a very good record of dealing with um, with far right violence. Um, uh, particularly against immigrants, you you may remember that in Dress in Saxony's capital Dresden, a few years ago, uh, a far right um, person um, stabbed uh, um, academic, female academic from uh, Egypt in in a court of law, uh, and um, and the police coming into the uh, the courtroom uh, shot not at the perpetrator but at the uh, at the victim's husband who was trying to uh, to come to her aid so uh, unfortunately we have an unpleasant history there um, second that's that's one that's one aspect they, they, I think they've managed it better towards the end of the week and of course there's also we, we've had a number of those uh, cases where um, citizens with a German passport have been uh, attacked or or indeed killed by um, by migrants uh, f- particularly from the from the middle east um, and, of course, we've had demonstrations also in the west of the country, never as violent and as uh, nasty as in the east, um, one has to say. And that has resonance for, for the whole country because we, we still worry each time something like that happens, we worry about how much integration we've had between the two parts of Germany, it's 29 years after the wall fell.
0: Uh, Robert, what do you make of the, the suggestion by Heiko Maas, the, the German foreign minister, that uh, I, I guess a more, a more demonstrative opposition to the far right is required? Isn't, isn't further counter-protest basically what far-right demonstrators seek to provoke, that they would delight in? Because I, I, I do think that around the world, wherever these things happen, there's quite a commonality of, of slightly dim young men who enjoy a tear-up.
3: There is that element, but I think that they have done terribly well in getting publicity out of this. I mean, I think AFD and pagida have done very, very well on relatively few numbers. Now, I don't, don't want to sound um, superior about this. The maximum their supporters have said. It. One of the demonstrators was eleven thousand, you know, and uh, there would be bigger crowds at third-tier Bundesliga football. Absolutely, matches. absolutely right, uh, uh, Andrew. But it is this terribly complex game, and the ministers in the coalition are having to tread very, very carefully. But there have been very odd suggestions. I'd be very interested to know what Sebastian thinks about this. About w- should the right-wing elements be put under surveillance? This is this is not. Exclusively German. There is a distinctly East European flavor to this, but we're going to hear about this in the upcoming Swedish elections. And for goodness sake, what is the row? Going on within the Tory Party now about Brexit, it's about nativism mm. and keeping keeping people out. And this is, you could use all sorts of really rather crappy analogies, like genies out of the bottle. But this really is a much bigger phenomenon than even the phenomenon of a million coming over in 2015, largely Syrian refugees. This is something that we really have to tackle. And I think the thing that is worrying oh, the, the debate, of course, has been immensely sensible, particularly in the media, the mainstream media in Germany about it, but we're looking at it very, very, very piecemeal. It's something we've got to live with and we've got to think very carefully about before we open our mouths.
0: Well, indeed, so uh, we mm. will come to the, the, the Swedish uh, aspect of what you correctly point out is a, a global phenomenon uh, shortly. But uh, to go back to the protests in Chemnitz, uh, Sebastian, as Robert points out, it is your archetypal so far, mercifully small but vociferous minority. Uh are they even part of the AFD phenomenon? Because I get the the vague suspicion here that these are the people that the actual AFD are quite frightened of and that, that, and that the AFD are worried about being associated with because there is that, that aspect of the AFD which is desperate to be seen as respectable. There's, I mean, like far-right parties all over the world, they cannot help but run into controversies because they do attract uh, slightly thick young people motivated by uh, various unsavoury... Uh, things, I guess. There's a a, a, a state youth leader. Uh the AFD are now distancing themselves from, apparently, because he cu- he called von Stauffenberg a traitor. This was, of course, the man who attempted to blow Hitler up
2: in 1944. Indeed, yes. I mean, you know, you've you've got to remember that the AFD was founded by very well-respected professors of uh, economics who who, who initially uh, built it as a vehicle against the euro, mm-hmm. nothing to do with immigration. They were deposed, and and um, and. And the party has, ever since being founded in 2012, I believe, uh, ha- has moved ever further to the right. And and you're quite right that they've been trying very hard, and to some, in the eyes of of 13 of the electorate last year, uh, succeeding in distancing themselves from the very far right, from the neo-Nazi right. But but we this last week we thought well there were there there are too many um, coincidences. And there is too little clear distancing um, uh, f- for them to, to be able to claim that they're not really uh, in hoc with these, with these very nasty elements
3: what we 're seeing here, actually again, is a, a, a rather broad phenomenon again, which is not just Germany. it 's the question of infiltration and entryism it 's um, uh, who comes in in the two main old traditional main parties as they now in u k you 're getting this tremendous element of both left and right mm-hmm. conservatives and And we've seen it in in the United States, because as we gear up to the midterms and going even beyond to the presidential election that we have got, um, and there was a backlash, I'm afraid, with with the McCain funeral, that no, that he wasn't wrong to pick Sarah Palin. And Palin produced Trump, and there should probably be a a lot more Trump. That's the way that kind of argument going. And you're getting true preaching of true socialism, too, in the United States, which is quite extraordinary. It is partyism that I think that is under pressure from all these phenomena. Okay. well, moving
0: seamlessly along, uh, Sweden votes in a general election uh, this Sunday. Polls suggested it could go well for the Sweden Democrats, a party distinguished chiefly by their lack of hospitable inclinations to residents and or citizens of Sweden who are unable to trace their ancestry to Odin. Sweden, like Germany, has been notable in recent years for its generosity to refugees. Sweden, which has a population of a little larger than London, is currently home to roughly 230,000 of them. Um, Sebastian, there's some suggestion that the Sweden Democrats might end up with the balance of power, uh, if polls are to be believed. Um, Does this represent a... A, I mean, Sweden for years, decades, has been held up as the, the archetypal social democrat, reasonable, liberal democracy. Is is this the beginning of the end of that, or perhaps an indication that there was always more to it than that?
2: Well, if you read the the crime novels of Shuvalvalu, I think, based in the seventies and eighties, you will all already feel the the, the um, disregard and the, the, the this this. How do you say that displeasedness with the with the sw- uh, Swedish um, economic and social model and and there are f- far-right elements even even then to put it in perspective I mean the Sweden Democrats I think that the the, the best the best polls give give them something around fifteen percent. Very unpleasant from from a Democrat's point of view, but but um, if you compare it to what uh, Marine Le Pen got in the mm-hmm. in the French presidential election last year, what the AfD got in Germany, thirteen percent, what you know a, a party of government in Austria, the FPÖ uh, got uh, last year twenty five percent, then that's unpleasant, but but not yet alarming. Mm, I just think well, again, it's it's clearly um, a, a Problem for the for the mainstream conservative party that it hasn't been able to uh, formulate a program which which um, is is a good alternative for people thinking on the right of the political spectrum and also the the social democrats clearly have have lost as they have in in a lot of other European countries a lot of the support from the working class. Uh,
0: Robert, as you were d- discussing earlier there is a, a a commonality among European far-right movements especially, it is this this, this blood and soil nativism are there though significant regional variations, are, are the Sweden Democrats basically alternative for Deutschland who are basically the Front National or is there, is there something
3: specifically Swedish about the Sweden well, Democrats? Uh, uh, f- from, from what I see and I, oh, gosh I'm so pleased you managed to pronounce their name, I'm a huge admirer by by the way, they were a, couple, uh, a Marxist couple. Wrote ten novels, and actually they were about everything but cops and robbers. And one of the villains, which is very very interesting, it's a bit like uh, 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 Philip Marlowe um, in, in in the Chandler stories. One of the villains is Los Angeles. The villain is Stockholm, and what is going on in Stockholm, which is taken up, and this is really serious mainstream thinking, taken up by Henning Mankell uh, with the Valander stories, which is about everything but Valander. It's actually about the state of Sweden, and it sees the that the, the the great consensus that, that was Olaf Palme was the great was the great figure of that. But the predictions of this falling apart, of the values being totally lost, I have read over and over and over again, and we have it yet uh, this very week with Gideon Rackman, a very respected commentator in the FT. No, there are tremendous tensions. Yes, there are very Swedish aspects to this. The thing is that as uh, uh, Sebastian was saying, when you look at the numbers again in its Proportionality, you were saying about a quarter of a million plus. It's something actually uh, 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 I would suspect, really, because of under recording, people sneaking, uh, it, it's slightly higher than that. But the the the, the, the Annus Horribilis, as it were, for this phenomenon was they took one hundred and sixty three thousand in twenty fifteen, which was tremendous pressure because it didn't go all over uh, all over the country. And that is a fascinating problem, but. Talking about the origins of AFD, to pick up Sebastian's thread, it's very interesting. If you take the Swedish Democrats and their anti-migrant mm-hmm. platform, they, they, are not, the they are not blaming the EU. They are not saying, only a tiny splinter group is saying, get out of the EU. Because actually, in terms of the economy, Sweden is pretty buoyant at the moment. Well, but, uh, sorry, but uh, I sorry, thought but it was
2: actually part of their programme to have a referendum on EU membership.
3: Only a small part of it. It's oh, I been, see. Yeah. Right,
2: right, right. But that is, I, I wanted to come to the economy as well, because that's so interesting, isn't it? That uh, the German economy as a whole of Germany is doing very well. It's uh, in the East, not so well. Absolutely. Problem in Sweden, it's doing very well, uh, but but again, you, you know, you, you look at a place like Gothenburg, and and you uh, v- v- great feature again in the Financial Times today, um, that the, the huge social differences between the affluent center of the city and the and the banlieues basically, uh, in, in as in Paris. That, that's, I think, part of part of the background of, of the whole problem.
0: Okay, well, finally tonight, the United States has provided Pakistan with the thick end of $33 billion in aid since 2002. The return on this investment has been, it is fair to estimate, disappointing. The US has now confirmed that it will cut another tranche of $300 million in defence aid over what the Pentagon called a lack of decisive actions in support of the South Asia strategy from Pakistan. Uh, that translated into Trump tweetish as nothing but lies and deceit US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is due in Islamabad on Wednesday he may be paying for his own taxi from the airport Um, Robert, this is one of those things I think we have to address through the prism of thinking, is it wrong just because Donald Trump does it Um, Pakistan has not been since 2002 an entirely reliable
3: ally, has it? And it is about the strategy regarding Taliban at the moment. Indeed. And this is where I'm afraid that he will have to Pompeo, who's actually not but that bad. I think he will have to ta- tackle the well-known former international cricketer, <laughs> uh, the Prime Minister, Mr. Imran Khan, who is a known associate of the Haqqani clan, who, um, uh, politically speaking, uh, certainly uh, the, 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 the Haqqani delivered favourites in getting him uh, I- 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 into office. And I think this really does have a point. But what doesn't have a point is that if you read the headlines, and I do read a little bit more of the headlines, it is interesting. How this is being criticised in the, in the same way, not exactly the same breath, but dichotomous, the other half of the seed with the UNRWA thing, mm-hmm. about which I do feel very strongly. I mean, I'm sorry to say I feel intellectually very strongly. This is the UN
0: Relief uh, uh, and uh, Works Agency it, it, in, because in the Palestinian it is territories.
3: It is spiteful, though, again, as you were suggesting over Pakistan, addressing a very serious problem with regard to the Palestinian entity and the Palestinian o- o- Authority. My criticism is that this is the kind of thing that um, the the UN uh, agency, which actually keeps schools going, it in does Gaza, let, let it be said as well uh, as well as other things, is is actually Trump family all over it. It is this new genius who understands the Palestinian Israeli Gulf world better than almost than anybody in, the, in in the history. This of the is universe. the, the, the Mr. planet Kushner, the planet sized
0: you know. mind of Jared Kushner. You yeah, refer to.
3: It's that, but what I'm saying, and I fear, sorry, I must let the best of it is that I'm worried that there's this short term thinking because they're in a mess. The Americans in their policy in Afghanistan and and, and Pakistan. Of that, there is no doubt.
0: But Sebastian, are we seeing here a, a wider US policy, and I think Robert's quite right to link this to the defunding of uh, UNRWA, or of the United States just deciding they're sick of funding uh, people who don't like them? Uh, and I guess the, the more interesting question there is, is, is that necessarily wrong? If you keep shoveling not inconsiderable sums of money at people who consistently refuse to do anything you ask them to do, is are you not within your rights? If we take it, this as an abstract proposition
2: and leave. Donald Trump out of it are you not within your rights to say well tough Um, I I must say I have uh, not often but this time some sympathy with Donald Trump um, because of course we've been sitting here um, for for the best part of 20 years now and um, and saying well Pakistan and of course a very important <laughs> ally and yes and i mean we we're, we're giving them a lot of money and we feel they they're not really cooperating but isn't it worse to not give the money well maybe not maybe not maybe not maybe right. it's it's time to put a stop to it and say look guys um, uh, we we can't cough up forever the 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 the, the question of course or, or i think It puts Pakistan on the spot, in in a sense, to to ask, are you in control of your own country? The answer, as we all know, is no, we're not. But they they never want to admit that, that there are whole regions of of, uh, the the, um, border regions towards Afghanistan which are either lawless or or entirely taken over by the Taliban. And if they want to actually take control of their own territory, they have to be a lot tougher than they are. Um, we've, We've said that for 15 years now and nothing ever happens. So in that sense, I'm... I'm not so concerned about the Americans. It's just in geo uh, strategic, uh, in the in the geopolitical context, um, th- there will be an, a vacuum, and who will fill it? China. And are, w- are we going to be happy about that? I doubt it very much, uh,
0: Robert. It's a it's a longer answer, I'm sure, than thirty seconds. But it, it, is this kind of gesture by the United States likely to improve Pakistan's behaviour?
3: No. In in, in a simple term, but I think Sebastian is absolutely right. What you have to see, and it's what they have in Corsica and you have in Sicily, it's Klanisma that is running uh, Pakistan. The most important clan, and the clan within the clan, is the army and the inter-service intelligence agency. Excellent studies have shown this over and over again, and they are real tar babies, if I'm allowed to use that expression, to grasp. Trump is trying to do something. He, he, he stands no better or no less chance of success than his predecessors.
0: Well, that does bring us to the end of today's show. Sebastian Borger and Robert Fox, thanks for joining us at Midori House. The show was produced by Fernando Augusto Pacheco, researched by Anna Savetska, Our studio manager was Christy Evans. Music next at 1900. It's the Monocle Culture Show with Rob Bound. I'm back with more on the day's big stories on The Daily at 2200. Midori House returns at 1800 London time tomorrow. I'm Andrew Muller. Thank you for listening.